Well, hey, so glad that you are joining us online today, wherever you're watching. And I got a question to start us off, to kick us off. Do you remember the first words that came out of your mouth? Odds are, most likely, you can't remember that. But maybe your mom or your dad or your grandparents remember your very first words. Because Now, first words oftentimes aren't that significant to us because a lot of times it's like goo goo gaga or something like that. But sometimes people think first words have significance. And I want to share with you a quick clip of a mom hearing the first words of her child and trying to switch those first words for her benefit. Take a look. Say, mom, 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 mom. Mom, 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 mom. Mom, mom, mom. Say, mom, 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 mom. Mom, 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 mom. Mom, 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 mom. Mom, 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 mom. Oh, man. Now, now, this happened, you know, to all four of my kids where the first words were dada instead of mama. And Jen tries to tell me that that doesn't have any meaning and there's no significance to that. But I beg to differ. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. But as we know, right, I mean, first words don't have that much significance. But last words have a lot of significance in our lives because when you live a certain way, you die a certain way. Think of the last words of Steve Jobs when he said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Or when you think about the last words of Mona Lisa where she stops and she just said, Jesus, I love you. When you live differently, you die differently. And so what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks, we've been immersing ourselves into the last words, the last utterances, the last few statements of Jesus. And we're seeing how impactful these words were and how we can allow those. Our hope is that these last impactful words will be impactful for our own lives. Now, just a reminder, these seven words you're not just going to see listed in one of the Gospels. These are taken from each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And scholars through tradition have, have, have compiled these, these statements in order so that we can take them and reflect on them and focus on them as we prepare for Easter Sunday that's coming up in a few weeks. When we think about the last words of Jesus, these last seven statements, we have to be reminded that three of the statements were made in the first three hours of his crucifixion, but the other four statements were made right before his death. And so when you think about this, while doing his greatest work here on earth on the cross, he was uttering his greatest words on earth. While he was doing his greatest work here on the earth, he was uttering his greatest words, lasting, impactful words here on the earth. I love how Warren Wearsby, a pastor and author, who said it like this, that these last words were almost like a window into the heart of God. I love that. Like a window into the heart of God. So let's look at these last seven statements just all together so we can kind of see them in, 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 in its whole it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Woman, behold your son, behold your mother. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
And today what we're going to be diving into is this last statement of woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son, behold your, mo- your mother. And what we're going to notice here is a theme laced throughout this passage of where this came from with a theme of honor. And my hope is that as we reflect on this, we will see and evaluate how we are giving honor towards others, towards situations in our own lives. But before we dive in, I just want to pray for you and pray for me. Father, thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing. And wherever we're watching, I just ask that you would help us, help us to uh, just to take in what you want us to take in, that we won't miss it, that we'll be ready and we'll be ready to hear it. Control my pace, control my mind as I communicate. We pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. So, hey, if you have a copy of the scriptures, please open it up to the book of John. Got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right there, the fourth gospel in. Now, as we dive in, I need us to remember what we're dealing with. We are witnessing a scene. We are peering into one of the most horrific scenes that is very hard to stomach. And so I want to just put a picture up of the screen just for us to see, because when we look at the Passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, they've done probably one of the most amazing jobs of taking all the evidence, all the scripture, all the context to really help us to see what Jesus actually was going through. We have to remember that he was just brutally beaten, mocked, spit at, just uh, flogged, uh, uh, whipped with a cat of nine tails, a crown of thorns. I mean, this was just nails and hands in his feet. Every time he would try to breathe, he'd have to just lift up and it'd be excruciating pain like no other. This is just wanting us to, I know it's hard to stomach, but for us to just get into the reality of what was taking place. I mean, his flesh, they say, was so ripped apart, you couldn't even recognize who he was because there was barely any skin left on his body. I mean, this is what we're walking into. So I just want to just make sure that we're prepared as we head into this text. And so here's how the text kicks off. It says, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, it says that they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. It continues. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who it shall be. They're gambling for it. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. And so here we have four soldiers that were doing what was custom for them to do. I mean, this was their... This was their business. This was their enterprise to literally kill criminals. And and then when they would take the criminals, they would gather their belongings and they would split them up against one from one another. I mean, this could be like sandals, belts, you know, head coverings, whatever it was, etc. But then you see, if you notice, they had these, they had this seamless tunic on Jesus. And they looked at the value of it and said, well, if we split it up in four, it's going to be worth nothing. So let's keep it together. And so that's why they gambled for it which was also fulfilling the scripture, the the prophecy that the Messiah, the Son of God, that they would gamble for his clothes. This was one of hundreds of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. I mean, this is unbelievable. Mathematically impossible for one person to pull off all these prophecies, even while hanging on a cross, he was fulfilling prophecies. This is unbelievable. We see this prophecy in Psalm 22, along with a few others. You should read Psalm 22. It's amazing. But then what does this also show us? 
It says that they took the tunic off, which is reminding us that Jesus was literally hanging on the cross naked, elevating even more not only his pain, but the humiliation that he was facing. How much our Savior was being dishonored is just unbelievable when we think about how our King, how our Savior was being dishonored. Reminding us of the importance for us to honor our Savior. Are you honoring your Savior? There's many different ways for us to honor our Savior. But one of the things that popped into my mind this week is literally the simple step of honoring our Savior with our lips, with our language, with our tongue. You know, I know we live in a world where, you know, depending on where you work at or live or wherever, you know, people will have their mouths. Or you might even have a mouth if you're honest. And you're saying every four-letter word in the book, F this, F this, F that. And, you know, it doesn't really bother me that much. I mean, you got to deal with it yourself when it comes to your language. And sometimes when I hear people saying F this, F that, every other word, I'm kind of like, seriously, you got... You can't be a little more intelligent with your words. I mean, come on, like you can't think of something else. But whatever, I just kind of let that go when I'm around people like that. But when people then take it a step further and are GD this, GD that, I can't even say it. I can't even literally just say it for an example. Or when people are like, Jesus Christ. And it's not a hallelujah to Jesus Christ. It's a, what the heck is going on? If that keeps happening and I'm in a situation, then in love, I will step up and say, whoa, 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 man. You say whatever you want, but man, will you please stop mocking and dishonoring my Jesus? Or taking another step further, when I hear people say, you know, I swear to God, honest to God, I swear to God. Believe me, I swear to God. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I mean, Jesus reminds us in Matthew 5, 34, do not swear by anything on this earth. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So he says, don't even swear to anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. But if you are going to swear by anything, please don't make it be God. Just, just don't. We are supposed to, one of, one of the Ten Commandments, we, we, are, we are not to take the Lord's name in vain. To check our speech, to check our language when it comes to honoring our Savior. Which reminds me of one of, the, one of the old great hymns, Man of Sorrows, where it goes, Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Alleluia, what a Savior, guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he. For redemption, can it be? Alleluia, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Alleluia, what a Savior. Honor your Savior. With your mouth. Are you honoring your Savior with your mouth? I challenge you, if you're not, check that. Check your speech. Check your language. Shift it. Shift your language and make sure your speech is honoring your Savior. Continues. says, but, and this was a big shift here in the text, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, which is Mary, 
and his mother's sister, which was Salome, the wife of Zebedee, which was the son of James and John. She was the one who asked Jesus if her two boys could get a good seat in heaven. Then you got Mary, the wife of Clopas, and she was the mother of the other James, whose nickname was James the Less. Poor guy. And then you got Mary Magdalene, who was the one who had seven demons in her and led a life of sin, but then she became a follower of Jesus. And as I was reading this, can we just talk a little bit about girls' night? I, I just imagine, like, you know, I think about all these ladies together and all the different Marys and says, hey, Mary, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I wonder if they came up with, like, nicknames for one another. Like Mary Magdalene, maybe she was called Mags. I don't know, just to help the confusion. We don't know. Moving on. So here's what happens. And it says this. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. When Jesus saw his mother and his disciple whom he loved standing nearby. Now we just have to stop for a moment. We have to just sit here for a moment, not think about history. I don't want us to think about theology right now. I want us to get emotional right now and think about here is a mother watching her son, her beloved son, die. In this moment, I imagine this haunting thought that, that three decades ago, 33 years ago, when Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple and Simeon came with a prophecy in Luke 2.34 and said, your son has been sent as a sign and many will oppose him. As a result, it says this, a sword will pierce your very soul. And in this moment, as she's watching her son brutally dying on a cross, her soul was being pierced. Reminding us of a promise that none of us want to hear. Reminding us of a promise that none of us enjoy ever hearing or reminding ourselves of. But Jesus tells us that those who love me, all who follow me, will suffer persecution. And that in this world you will have troubles. And you can't escape them. But take art. Because he's overcome the world. Oh, the pain of Mary watching her son die. Oh, the pain of a mother. Oh, the pain of a parent having to watch their child die. And I know that some of you watching, you've experienced that. And I don't know what that feels like, but what I have heard is that pain is as close as you can get to having hell here on earth. The most bittersweet Thing of watching your child take its first breath and then watching your child take its last breath. There's just no words to give it justice. I've done many different funerals with having to walk parents through a child's death and just to see the pain on their face. I mean, I, there's no words to ever wrap around it. And for those of you, I would just say, who have experienced that, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you can relate more. You are tiptoeing on ground that no other can really under completely understand with Mary watching Jesus on the cross. And, and because of that, you now have this unbelievable treasure to help others walk through that storm and know that Jesus can relate with your pain because he went through it too. And please remember that that hurt or that wound that you still carry today Know that God will never waste a hurt. And then Jesus, in his agony, in his pain, turns to his mama and says this, Woman, behold your son. 
Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now, sometimes when you read this for the first time at first glance, you're thinking, wow, whoa, Jesus. I mean, a little bold here, isn't it? I mean, calling your mom, yo, woman, behold, behold your son. I mean, you know, I I can't imagine going to my mom and saying, hey, woman, where are you? Or I can't imagine my kids coming down in the morning and saying, hey, woman, have you packed my lunch for school yet? I mean, if, if that happened, I mean, the, the, the amount of wrath from their father that would come down on my children, not to mention the wrath from their mother, which honestly, I don't know what's worse for my kids, to be honest. But you have to understand, which this gets lost in translation, when Jesus said woman here back in this culture, it wasn't saying woman. It was of endearment. It was almost like saying dear woman, ma'am or miss. There was not a disrespect in this language here. In fact, it was showing a lot of respect, even more than what we'll ever know because women were so badly treated back then. When he was saying that, I mean, rabbis would never speak to women in public, so he's speaking as a rabbi in public to his mother. And so can we just pause for a moment? And here we have Jesus, the Son of God, dying on the cross in his greatest agony and pauses to honor his mama which then makes us ask the question, not only are we supposed to honor our Savior, but we're supposed to honor our mamas. We are supposed to honor our mamas. And I want us to sit here for a little moment. I want us to kind of hit this from a couple different angles, if you will. So all you moms watching, you can thank me later later, and you can send this to whoever you want to send this to. So listen, teenagers, listen up, teenagers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, honor your mama. One of the Ten Commandments says, honor your father and mother. And check this out. It's the only commandment that is connected with a gift, with a promise. The only commandment that offers something else that if you honor your father and mother, that you will live long in the land. And so, I mean, just pay attention to that. But not only is it important for you to honor your your mama just so you can live long in the land, but when you honor your mom today, it will help you have honor for your future. For those of you listening, teenagers, I would assume that someday you think about getting married, you think about finding that Mr. Right or that Mrs. Right, right? And so if you don't honor your mom now, what's gonna happen is, is that for all you girls listening, if you don't honor your mom now, then you don't know really what it's like to be treated with honor. And so then you're gonna attract dudes that aren't good and they're not gonna honor you. And for all you boys, all you guys that are watching, if you dishonor your mom now, guess what? All the good girls are going to sniff out that dishonor and and they're not going to come near you. So remember, honor your mama. Because when you honor your mama today, it will help you honor, have honor for your future. Now, dads in the room, need to talk to you. Dads, lean into me for right now. We are called to be honor guards. In my home, we have two rules. Tell the truth and honor your mama. Pretty simple. If you want, you have the privilege, children, to live in my home. And if you want things to go good, do those two things. If you don't want to do those two things, your life will be flat out miserable. But I'll be honest. Sometimes I fall short at being the guard of honor because I come home and I'm too tired for that day or I already corrected one of them and I don't feel like correcting the other one. Any parent out there just feel like if you could just clock out for the day of parenting, right? You just are like, you're just done. But every stinking time, 
where I start to slide on the honor mama rule in the house, then everything else slides in the house. And not only does everything else slide in the house, but then my marriage starts to get affected because, fellas, check this out. You know this. If the mom doesn't feel respected by the kids, then deep down she does not feel respected by you for not guarding her honor. We have to be dads. We have to be men in the home that will protect and honor the mama. Lastly, everyone listening, we all have a mom. There's no way you're here without a mom. And this is the idea of making sure that we honor our moms by just checking in with our moms. And for those of you that lost your mom through death, or maybe you never knew your mom, or you don't speak to them anymore, like if you're honest, you would shout out to everyone listening. Say, yes, if you have the chance to have a relationship with your mom and you can call your mom, I wish so badly I could pick up the phone and call my mom. Call your mom. And sometimes it's like we think like they already know that I love them. And we can get so busy. And as I was writing this, I was reminded that I need to call my mom more. I need to set it on my calendar to check in with my mom to make sure Because come on, moms, even though we know that they know, they want to hear it. They want our hugs. They want our affection. They want to know that we're thinking about them. They just, it makes their day when we just give them a little text or give them a little love. It's so important to honor our moms, to check in with them. And listen, I know that not everyone in this who is watching not necessarily has a good relationship with their mom. I I understand that from past hurt situations. But here's something I need you to remember. Where it says, honor your father and mother, it just says that. It doesn't say, honor your father and mother, except if they did so-and-so, you fill in the, the blank. It still says, no matter what, to honor your father and mother. And I'm not saying there's going to be reconciliation on this side of heaven, but we still need to honor them. And here's the thing. If we honor our father and mother, even when it's difficult... It could be the biggest Bible that they ever, ever read. So you still honor them in spite of what they did or what they didn't do. Honor your mama. Then Jesus goes to John and says this, woman, behold your son. And then he says, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Behold your son is referring to John. In this moment, check this out, Jesus was not only honoring his mom, but he was making provisions for his mom. When she's hungry, I need you to feed her. When she's tired, I need you to help make sure she's got sleep. When she's sick, I need you to take care of her, make sure she has her medicine. We can't forget, like, all this is taking place while he was dealing with extreme pain like no other. And I don't know about you, but when I get sick or if I get a headache or I'm just like, I'm like, all I can think about is me. I can't think about anyone else. If I have a little bit of pain, all I'm thinking about is me. And here he is. I mean, this is unreal that he's thinking about others and the provisions of his mama. Reminding us of this really important truth. If Jesus could provide for his mother in his deepest humiliation, how much more can he provide for us in his present exaltation? I mean, come on. Think about it. When you think about when you have needs and when you want to go to your Savior, I mean, think in this deepest humiliation, hanging on a cross, he was taking care of his mama. And so now in his present exaltation that he wouldn't take care of you, that he wouldn't take care of me. Now, we can only assume, but most likely scholars are in agreement that at this point, Joseph, the dad, 
he's passed away because it'd be custom for him to take care of the provisions of Mary. And so because he's passed on, it would go to the oldest son, Jesus. And so we can assume that, you know, that, that Joseph has passed. But also we have to notice then why wouldn't Jesus then pass it on to the family, the half-siblings? Instead, he goes to John. Most likely this was because um, his half-siblings weren't believers yet. But so he then gives the responsibility to John, which is a great reminder for us. Here's the reminder that, yes, family matters, but church family matters too. Family matters, but church family matters too. Church families just shouldn't feel like family. It is family. And yes, it can be messy, just like blood family can be messy, but it's still worth fighting for. So not only are we supposed to honor our Savior and honor our mamas, but we're supposed to honor our church. Honor your church. This is why, oh my goodness, come on, listen. This is why it's so important that we have groups, that we have coaching groups and city groups and, and our city crew. And I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm so, I've been so like impressed and just so proud of our church over the last couple of years of watching people taking care of the needs of, 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 as people have gone through trials and hardships and seeing the city group families just coming around together to just help people on their journey. It's so, so incredible. It's seasons of change and vulnerability, the responsibility for each other. It's just incredible. This is a great reminder of the honor it is to be a part of the church family. And it's a great reminder for us to not neglect the church family and to show up, not just sit on the bench and participate in it. May we never be people that dishonor this church or any other church family. And maybe, you know, recently this past year, you've switched churches. Or maybe it's been many years ago that you've switched churches. But every time that church comes up in your mind or it comes up in conversations, you are so quick to give it a negative comment. You're so quick to be like, yeah, that, that mega church or that liberal church. Or they're just a self-help, surface, showy, flashy church and da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and, and here's the thing. Maybe you don't agree with their doctrine. Maybe you don't agree with a decision that they've made. Maybe you don't agree with a leader that made a bad call. But remember, it's still God's church. And remember this, that the church is referred to as the bride of Christ and Jesus is the bridegroom. John 3.29 and Ephesians 5.25. The bride is still the bride, no matter what. So when we ridicule or mock another church, or if we mock our own church, what are we doing? It's like us going on a wedding day and going up to the groom, not maybe realizing it's the groom, and saying, hey, did you see the bride over there? That bride is ugly as sin. I mean, look at her. She's disgusting. I mean, can you believe her? That's what we're doing. When we are mocking God's church, it's still his church. We must honor and not dishonor the bride. Jesus is reminding us the importance of having a church family and honoring his church. We must honor the church, the bride of Christ. Why? Why do we do this? We honor the bride of Christ because Jesus laid down his life for the church. Why don't we give up on the church? Why don't we just say enough with it? Because Jesus has never given up on us. And maybe if you're honest, if you're watching, you've given up on church. That's maybe why you're watching online. Because you don't want to step foot in a church because of past hurt or whatever it is, or it's just more easy to just watch online or whatever it is. 
or, or, or maybe you've just had one foot in and one foot out and you, if you're honest, you've never really been really in the fullness of the family of God. You, you, you truly have not said to yourself that I'm going to be a Jesus follower. Listen, the moment that you say that you're a Jesus follower and you give your life to Jesus, you are part of the family of God. And it's our responsibility not to neglect the family of God and being a part of the church family. I mean, to say that you are a true disciple of Jesus and not participate in the local church, it's almost like saying, you know, it's March Madness, okay? It's almost like you saying, I'm on the team. I made the team. I got my jersey. But you never go to practice. You never go to a game. You never even step into the arena. You, you, you never even help other players. You never even pick up the stinking ball to take a shot. You got to ask yourself, are you really on the team? Because I don't know how a true disciple and follower of Jesus, unless, I mean, I don't know how it can truly be real if you're not participating in the local church that he died for. It just doesn't make sense. And so maybe you've never gotten to that point where you've even put your faith in Jesus to then be a part of the family of God. In order to be a part of the family of God, it takes faith. It takes surrender. It takes realizing that, you know what, without Jesus, I'm doomed. Without Jesus, I'm damned in a sense because of my sin. But God loved you so much that 2000 years ago, he sent Jesus on the cross like we've been talking about to die for the penalty of your sin and then conquered it by raising from the dead three days later. It's unbelievable. And the scriptures tell us that all who call upon the name of the Lord and believe in their heart will be saved. Are you saved? Are you part of the family of God? If you're not and you want to be today, then I wanna give you that opportunity. And so wherever you're watching, you can just pray this prayer in the quietness of your heart. Just say, Father, here I am. I wanna be a part of the family of God. Here I am. Right now, I honor you, my savior. I believe that you, Jesus alone, are my savior. I confess my sin. Tell him that I confess my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me. Right now in faith, I receive you, Jesus, into my life. You are my king. You are my God. And now I pray to no one but you. As we continue to pray, my friend, if you truly meant that the scriptures are so clear that you will no longer perish, but you will have everlasting life. My friends, if you made a decision to be a part of the family of God, to put your faith and trust in him today, please don't walk alone. There's a number here on the screen you can just text to, and we wanna celebrate with you, and then we wanna help you continually move towards God. And that's what the church is for, for all of us to help one another, the body of Christ moving towards God. So I wanna encourage you to do that. Don't walk alone. It doesn't make sense to walk alone. I don't know how you can be a Jesus follower if you're gonna walk alone. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up. Now, uh, to recap, as this last song closes, just let's, let's just remember these things as we head into the week. Are you honoring your Savior? Check your speech. Check your language. Honor your Savior with your language. 
Are you honoring your mama? Call your mama. Thank your mama. Check in on her. Honor your mom. This week, even today, when you're done listening, I challenge you, text your mom. And lastly, honor your church. Check in on your participation. Are you neglecting it? Are you leaning into it? Lean in to your church. Don't dishonor it. Honor it by being a part, by checking in and showing up.